Hi, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. For months, we take time to prepare and educate ourselves on this new adventure of motherhood. But as we all know, once the baby is born, we're still left with so many questions and need all the help we can get. Women really should have a sense of empowerment as they begin to experience these life-changing moments. And no one mother has it all figured out. However, the more informed we are, the better decisions we can make that will positively affect us and our family. And that's what this podcast is about. Sharing honest, raw, and real conversations about motherhood, life, and all of the crazy, messy, beautiful in-betweens to hopefully educate, empower, and support the next mother on her motherhood journey. So sit back and enjoy. Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. I am on with a very special guest, Mrs. Chrissy Barco. I'm looking here at your Instagram, and I love it says, a woven tapestry of motherhood, learning together and living in your purpose, rooted in Christ, inspired by nature, eclectic homeschooler, and content creator. Welcome, Chrissy. Why don't you jump in and tell my audience a little bit about you, and then we'll jump into all things homeschooling. Well, thanks, Nikki, for having me today. I've followed you for a little while now, and the empowerment and encouragement that you're serving to mothers in your community is inspiring. It has inspired me, so thanks for having me again. Oh, thank you. So who am I? I'm Chrissy. I'm a daughter of Christ, first and foremost. I think that's important because my faith and my convictions, you know, influence my life in a big way. I am also a Latina woman. That's also very important for me because my culture and my upbringing has also influenced who I am and continues to do so. I am a best friend to seven wonderful people in my household, my husband and my children, a military spouse for nine years, well, almost going on a decade, mom of five and a home educator now for five years. Wow. Oh my gosh. So much to tap into there. Where do you currently live? So we are in Florida because of OPSEC reasons. I really can't say exactly. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, no, de- definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a military thing. But we're in Florida. We're in a, a funky little beach town in, in central Florida. Nice. Okay, so you're, you're in Florida like me. I love that. I love how you started out saying that your faith is everything, right? And that's what kind of leads you and guides you. And exactly. then your, your best friends of saying your family. I love that. So what are the ages of your children? Okay, so I have, let's start with the youngest, five, seven, eight, 15, and 16. Mm, wow. So a little bit of all seasons. I was just <laughs> going to say, so you have from teenagers going on to, wow, going to be 18 in a couple years to yes. a five-year-old, which is in the season of toddlerhood, kindergarten yet? Yes. Yeah, pre-K. Well, we actually, we do two years of kindergarten, a slow start. So most would call it pre-kinder. Yeah. Okay. And you homeschool all of them? I do. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's go into a little bit about your motherhood journey, the beginning of when you had your 16 year old and what that journey was like compared to having your five-year-old. Cause that's two different seasons. You're in two different stages of your life. I'm sure complete different stages. Why don't you talk about a little bit of that? And then we'll jump into your decision to homeschool and, and what that decision was like and what that process has been like. Yes, ma'am. So I was what we would call a teen mom. I had my daughter at 18 and my son 11 months later at 19. That was a young, unhealthy relationship. Let's call it that. And so I had to walk away from that relationship completely 
no co-parenting. So I was a single mom for a few years before I met my husband and my best Mm -hmm. friend. And then navigating that, you know, single mom and now him jumping into fatherhood because for him, it was completely natural. My teens were three and four years old and he just stepped in. And two years later, we were married and then we started having more babies. (laughs) Tell me the different kind of mom from being a young teen mom. You know, I've spoken to other women who have had their children younger. I had my son older and I couldn't imagine having him younger as opposed to, like you said, your relationship. I was in not a so healthy relationship. I didn't really love myself. I didn't really have value in myself in a lot of things. It took a very long time for me to have that. So what was that like of the kind of mother you were then? And what has that evolution looked like to now being the mom that you are today? And of course, I'm sure constantly growing with that as well. Well, like I said, my culture and upbringing really influences who has influenced who I am. And I grew up with my grandparents. And I I don't know that this is true for everyone in the Latin community or in the Latin culture, but having children at a young age is very normal in our family and in our culture. And so although I wasn't wise then, and and a lot (laughs) of it was growing up along with my children, with my teenagers, which we had a lot of lessons learned together, but now they're, I feel like they're my best friends for that reason. But I, so I did have my family support. I would say that my biggest obstacle at that time was again, that toxic relationship. I grew up watching my mother, my grandmother serve her household and being a homemaker. And that's just something that I always wanted. I guess I always had that nurturing Mm -hmm. uh, inside of me. And so I was ready. I was ready to be a mom. And I thought that the relationship that I had was, you know, true love. And we had two children together, but man, that turned so quickly. And, and it is lack of wisdom, uh, lack of maturity on both his and my end. Of course. But I love how you said that because I'm I'm also a Latina woman. Actually, my mom is Puerto Rican and Italian and my dad is Puerto Rican. So I, I definitely understand, right? And family is everything. Grew up with my parents, saw my mother, my mother would come home. She'd come home from working. She'd cook dinner, like that very nurturing thing. So I, I completely mm-hmm. understand. But that's good that you say that you had that support because I'm sure at that time and seeing even now to have that village and to have, especially to have your grandparents there to help is a blessing in itself, you know? a huge family in general. I mean, I'm one of, I think, 17 grandchildren. So just this huge family support system. So that wasn't it. Once I I became a young mom, 18, I did not go back to any type of institutionalized schooling after that because I did have to work. So I did the full-time working mom thing for a while until my husband and I decided to have children together. And then that's when we decided it was best for me to stay home. Okay, so why don't we jump into that, the homeschooling aspect, because I know that's a, a obviously a, a big part of your life. So how old were your children when you first started homeschooling? I guess your two oldest. And what was that decision like? And was it something you planned on doing? Because I actually spoke with another mom, actually my last guest, she's a homeschooler. She has six children, a very large family. And she homeschools all of them. And that was an interesting conversation because now she's just starting to really focus on her creating her own business. And she said she never came into wanting to homeschool, but it was basically from a necessity, right? And it turned into being one of the best things she's ever done. So tell me a little bit about your starting to homeschooling, what that decision was like, and how old were your children when you started? Yes. And I, I actually love hearing those, how we got started homeschooling stories. Your, your wise, those are some of my favorites. So I did the public school 
uh, system with my older children until they were in middle school, actually. So we did that, you know, the volunteering, the PTO, always being an advocate for my children. We had good experiences and bad experiences. And then once my husband joined the military and we became this active military family, we also had experience with Department of Defense schools, charter schools. We did that for a long time. And then when I had Bella, who's now eight, when it was time for her to go off to preschool, we are a one income family still, but then we were a one vehicle family. And my only option to get her to school was put her on a school bus or walk over a mile with another baby in a stroller. And so that that just wasn't going to happen. And so we said, all right, well, I can do this at home. I mean, being a stay at home mom, I we've always opened up books and, you know, we were obsessed with the alphabet. For some reason, we're all obsessed with the alphabet when our children are young <laughs> and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. But, and so I said, okay, I, I can do this. I, there's no one that has homeschooled in our family, in our generation mm-hmm. of families, my husband or my own. And I did not have any friends. There was no community of homeschooling around me. So really I went to the online community, uh, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube to try to get informed and inspired of what resources there are out there. And then the year later, now kindergarten, we had another vehicle, but we had such a great time being together and just watching her childhood, you know, things that I missed out with my older children because they were in not just elementary school, but also daycare, you know, missing out on them losing their teeth or teaching them how to read. And, you know, in just such a fast paced life, I was now experiencing slow mornings with my kids and organic wake-ups and and all these wonderful things that I did not want to let go of. And so we decided to continue homeschooling Bella. And then at that point, then I had two other children who were just the younger ones were also along the ride with us. Then we had another preschooler join us and and so on and so forth. So now Bella is in third grade and she's never been in a school building. Mm-hmm. Noah is in first grade and he's never been in a school building. And now we have Luna, who again is doing pre-K. And this whole time, you know, I'm dismissing the older two off to school and we're still <laughs> doing the the school functions and the extracurricular activities and all this stuff. And there's just always a, something inside of me, a whisper inside of me that is like, well, why aren't my older two children at home with us and experiencing, mm-hmm. you know, this life with me? And pre-COVID, I was already praying about it and discussing it with my teenagers and discussing it with my husband. There's just also a lot of pressure with the higher years, you know, with the higher grades. But then COVID came around and that was the push. That spring break, when it was decided that children weren't going back to school, I already had all my resources and I just (laughs) whipped them out of my closet. And I was like, teens, guess what? You know, uh, we're ready. We're prepared for this time. And that's how that took off as well. Gosh, COVID has has impacted on so many levels and and a lot of times of just adapting, right? So many adapting stories that we hear of like kind of you got to do what you got to do. And look, this was a blessing of you saying, look, this is kind of what I've been praying for. And God yeah. does what he does. And it's like, you asked for it. Here you go. What are you going to do? And now you're like, right. Here we go. <laughs> yep. So how have your children, the older two, because they have had the experience with both. How have they been in being adjusted to that? I think that it comes with maybe being a large family. It's it's a team effort. We're all together. There really isn't a lot of space <laughs> in our home and between us. Like So for example, if we want to make it to my 
teenage son's basketball game later, we all have to come together and and post dinner cleanup and make sure the little ones are using the restroom and make sure everyone's getting in the car and making sure the pets are getting walked. So we've always been this team effort. And I mm-hmm. think that that helped in bringing my teens together in kind of the life that we already lived. I mean, they saw me living it with the three younger ones, right? While they were off in school, sure. the littles and I were out exploring nature or just at the library. And so I said, hey, you know, come on in, join us it's going to be a learning experience for them and myself alike, but they were for it. And I think that when it comes to homeschooling high schoolers, your teenagers definitely need to be okay with being set apart and, and being okay with now leaving that traditional high school experience and moving on to different life experiences outside of that high school building. Do you have co-ops? Because I know there's co-ops and different, not co-ops, and I'm probably saying it maybe, or maybe that I don't remember the correct exact yep. term. Oh, well, it is. Okay. Yeah. You know, I used to, I used to pronounce it coop. And I was like, does that mean that homeschoolers need a chicken coop? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is, it's co-op. It's co-op. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, because I'm so fascinated and I know because of COVID, these are actually turning up more and more. Are, um, yeah. And actually, I even thought because I, I don't have the homeschooling thing in my body. And I guess someone can say, well, neither did I. And I've done it successfully but I do work and my husband works. But I have thought of the possibility of putting my son in a co-op with someone else and saying, hey, because I was like, I know if that was me and I was someone that enjoyed doing this, like a girlfriend of mine, she loves teaching. I would have started something like this and had a small homeschooling thing, you know, in my home or whatever that looks like. So do you do things with other parents? Like, how does that look like? Do you just work with your children? Do you have plans of adding in other children to the mix? Well, yes, now homeschoolers have gotten so creative um, and even non-homeschoolers that are now jumping into that. And there, I hear mm-hmm. now that there are even such things as micro schools where several families will get together and like rotate homes. And for example, yes, this week, you know, mm-hmm. we're learning this subject in this person's home and that person is in charge of leading that class. And a co-op is more where homeschoolers come together and meet at a place and and everyone kind of pitches in like I said maybe this week it's this mother's turn to lead a lesson or maybe that co-op has a leader already we are this is our first full school year in this area like I said because we're an active duty family sure sure yes a permanent change of station we move so much so we're part of smaller just very laid back groups, like let's just have a social meet type of thing, or let's, you know, a book club, things like that. But we're not currently studying subjects with other families, because that does, that does require a big commitment. Um, Sure. And while I like to think that we're reliable. You know, when you're, when it's such a large family, there's just an ebb and flow. There are different seasons and we homeschool really because of freedom as well and, and slow living. And I just, I don't want to fill our calendars, basically. So right now, we do not share any classes with any other families. My teenagers do share a few classes together. And then my smaller children, we do a schoolhouse, one schoolroom type of thing where we'll take a lesson and I can teach it to my eight, seven and five year old by just modifying the skills and the independent work a little bit. But it's one, one coming together type of study. Sure. Like um, the woman I spoke to, she was like, you know, they were learning about Benjamin Franklin. So okay. she gave the teenagers, her old, her older ones, actually, I think they were probably around 16 too, a little bit more in depth. And she gave her little preschooler, you know, like, she's like this way, I don't go crazy trying to teach a right. million different things, but it's on the different skill set. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Cause in my mind, I'm like, how are you 
homeschooling different ages and I'm just imagining you up there and there's yeah. like little kids looking at you and she's like no no right. no she's like you know the the cool thing about which I'm sure you can attest to having teenagers they're much more independent so she's like they self-study there's resources they could watch videos they could read she's like that's a whole different thing she's like they don't have to be like right there in front of me exactly. um so why don't you tell me a little bit about what your day looks like with everyone when you guys wake up and what that looks like because I'm super intrigued so one of the biggest benefits of homeschooling for me are the slow mornings. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> and I, I blame my upbringing. Like my grandparents just, okay, you want to stay up until 11 and watch TV. That's fine. So I'm, I'm not a morning person. So I, we wake up, I wake up to dismiss my husband. My children also sleep in. My teens need a little bit of nudging. So I'll have to, you know, walk around and hey, it's time to start waking up. My little guys, I let them sleep in until they're their body kind of just tells them, all right, we're rested because young children need to rest and that avoids, you know, bad moods. And so which with whatever children is up at that time, my teens drink coffee. So we'll have coffee, maybe watch like a preaching, a sermon on YouTube with my teenagers. Or if it's one of my children that are up at that time, we'll read a book. Every day we for sure gather in the kitchen, whether I'm cooking breakfast, something that I implemented last year was my, my teens have to alternate cooking breakfast with me. So that gives me a little bit of time in the morning to also maybe if I need to check my planner or, you know, get some of my hobby type of work done. So we all gather in the kitchen and then from there our morning chores. So again, we have several pets, so pet care, cleaning <laughs> up the kitchen from breakfast, and then everyone's off to kind of do their independent self-care at this point, some kids are still in PJs. So I send them off to take care of themselves and the teens go off to do their independent studies. And then this is my one-on-one -on -one time with the younger children. Okay. Love it. Yeah. yeah. And we always make time for outside as well. So that's later part. That's now going into our early evening, late afternoon rhythm sure. of the day. And then what is Chrissy's hobby? You said hobby. So tell me, what do you like to do for you? I, I need a creative outlet. I, I so I craft. I make Love videos it. for for YouTube where I put together our studies and I share resources. I love to take pictures of my children and nature. So that's what my Instagram, that's kind of how that started, just sharing our day to day. But really, like I said, making time for the out for outside, I, I have a garden. So I have to tend to that just about every day. I have indoor plants. So just taking my time and watering them. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds funny. And observing them and making sure that they're all healthy. So I'm super into botany and we love bodies of water. You know, we, again, we live in a beach town. So, you know, if we find an estuary to kind of go paddle in or whatever that is. So basically nature and plants. You know, I can tell I'm on your Instagram page and it is absolutely beautiful. I always admire people's creativity. Again, it's not something I have in me. I'm a numbers girl. I love spreadsheets. That's, that's my jive. You know, I make spreadsheets for travel. Like that's, that gets me and reading like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I love people who have that and I am on your page and it's just absolutely beautiful. The colors. Yeah. You could definitely tell you have your green thumb and love nature. And I love that. I love that you say that, you know, just being outside kind of fills you up and it doesn't need this elaborate extravagant thing. You know, I think with social media and life, and that's a whole nother rabbit hole we can go down of like comparing ourselves to other people yeah. and thinking we have to be on this like high, high level. And it's like, no, <laughs> 
<laughs> you can find peace of being in nature and kind of just being at one and being with nature. I, you know, it's funny because I've actually talked to quite a few women that have said during COVID and myself included, they realized how much they love being outside and being with nature. Yeah, it's, it's hot. I mean, and especially in Florida, you, with younger children, it could be a little difficult. And then, like you said, there are the expectations, like, you know, you don't have to have this uh, beautiful view, or it doesn't have to be this, you know, popular trail, or the end result doesn't have to be this just magnificent waterfall is even if it's just in your backyard, a, a walk on the beach, you know, I know that beach trips with younger children can get a, look, a little complicated, like you have to bring your own your whole home. But when it's just us during the week, when it's just me with the little guys, I tell them, all right, we're not being complicated. We're bringing one towel, one bag, drinks, maybe some crackers. And instead of just sitting on the beach, we'll just walk the beach and see what we can find along the way. But yeah, it's just those, those awe-inspiring views. If I go a few days without being outside under the sun for a few hours, I I go stir crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm with you. And where did you grow up initially though? Where are you initially from? South Florida, South Florida. And my husband, when my husband, when he describes me, yeah, you know, on a shout out on an Instagram post or whatever, he's posted that I'm a little city and I'm a little hippie. So I did grow (laughs) up in the city and, and it still has a place in my heart. There's, you know, times where I want the city lights and the culture in a city, the the diversity and and foods. And, but yes, in my older years, I'm definitely more not not necessarily hippie, but <laughs> I, I I rather be you know quiet and yeah. with surrounded in nature for sure. No, for sure. I think that just happens when we get older. But I'm with you on that. I actually was born in New York, so yeah. My husband kind of says the same thing. She he's like you know she's a little New York, a little South Florida. Kind of grew up with both best of both worlds. You know, mm-hmm. I can wear like slippers and flip flops, like sandals all day. You yes. know, <laughs> yep, yep. Give, give me Crocs. I know that's not really hip or cool, but. <laughs> give me the Crocs. (laughs) Yeah, they are so comfortable. Actually, I love them for kids. Whoever that I, they're just like the best shoes for children as well. So what are some of the benefits? What are some of the challenges? And what are some of the misconceptions of homeschooling? What have you, now you're in this, what, eight years, right? Because you said your eight-year-old, she's, she was your kind of the, the beginning of this all. What has your journey looked like? Well, I mean, I, love homeschooling. If you can't tell by my Instagram, I think it's a beautiful life. So the benefits, you know, I really had to narrow it down to three. I think the the biggest benefit is just in being together and it helps us create this, I guess we can call it family culture of togetherness, which now is great because we're creating all of these experiences and, and memories together. But I think it's also important for when we send off our kids in their own paths to have this family culture of, you know, one supporting one another. And like I said, coming from a big family myself, that's just important for me. I want my kids to have each other and and have those deep connections. And of course, there's always going to be drama. I mean, we're very dramatic siblings, you know, they fight, (laughs) but at the end of the day that they have each other and their father and myself. So being together, that's big for me. The freedom that we have for a lot of things, freedom for a tailored or individualized learning experience mm-hmm. or education. Mm-hmm. For example, my seven-year-old son, he's not sitting at a desk for six hours a day. That's just yes. not going to happen. Uh, you know, if he want, he loves space, so he wants to learn about the planets, but he wants to do it with these planet stuffed animals that he has. He doesn't want to learn it via a worksheet. Whereas my daughter, she will take notes all day. She loves my teen (laughs) daughter will bring out all the notebooks and all the highlighters. And that's just what she'll do. So freedom to, you know, hone in on their 
personalities and their characters. Everyone is an individual. And then uh, freedom to live slowly. Like I said, I did the full-time working mom thing and, and it was, it, there is a, a place for it, but it was just very fast. It, the years were going by too fast. And, and so homeschooling gives me the freedom to slow down, wake up, you know, kind of whenever I want. I mean, I'm not being super irresponsible and waking up at noon, but you know, I'm not <laughs> up at, I don't have to be up at five in the morning. I, ha- I could For be sure. up at 7.30 to dismiss my husband. And so yeah, slow living, one of the biggest benefits for us. Mm-hmm. So I think this doesn't only apply to a homeschooling mom, but just moms in general. I think we're always second guessing what we're doing. You know, am mm-hmm. I doing enough or mm-hmm. comparisons? And that's a, another, you know, social media con there are pros to it but that's that's a con comparing ourselves to other people so I find myself sometimes comparing my kids to our neighborhood friends that are public school kids and you know wait that kid knows 20 more sight words than my seven-year-old or you know am I doing enough um personally as a homeschool mom that that's one of my biggest challenges but I think it's just coming back to you know remembering uh, every family is different and what's our family's I guess goal or bigger picture type of thing absolutely Um, and and what our uh, mission actually is and why are we actually doing it am I doing this for my child to memorize 120 sight words or am I doing this to you know create or help raise I should say help raise a fulfilled person, an adult that had a wonderful, loving childhood. I would imagine not to cut you off that homeschooling mm-hmm. is almost like running the mar- uh, a marathon, right? Yeah, it's very, very slow and steady. And the benefits to your point might not be immediate. Like you said, the whole sight word, because yeah, he could, they, a, a child can just memorize that in school, right? right? One of the moms I follow on Instagram, that's big about, uh, that's big on that and saying that she homeschools as well. You might even know of her account, Busy Toddler. I do not, but I will write it down. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She's very big on like, well, Busy Toddler. She has three, four kids and they're very rambunctious. So she's very um, creative. She was a teacher. So very creative with like ways you can have games for kids at home with stuff that you have right yes. so building mm-hmm. things creating things it's it's pretty cool so anyway one of her things that she's always saying is like look you know the alphabet is one she's like it's just memorizing a song like what are they really doing other than memorizing a song are they really understanding a goes for this not yet so she's like who cares if your kid can't sing the alphabet at a certain age because to your point you know you're comparing saying well this kid can sing the alphabet at this age or he can color in the lines at this age and to your point, that's not what it's really about. So yeah, yeah. I would imagine homeschooling is more of kind of like the marathon. It's slow and steady and, and, and it's getting there. Whereas the, you know, traditional school, as they call it, is yep, you're memorizing it and you're just kind of taking tests and that's it. <laughs> that's all you need to know. <laughs> I mean, and and it has to be that way when you have a, a ratio of one teacher to Correct. children. That's and point. there yep. isn't, yeah, there isn't room for these children to have that individualized learning. It has to be that institutionalized type of one fits all mold sure. type of of learning. It just, it has to be that way. That's how it's going to work. But yeah. So for example, my seven-year-old son, he was able to write his name with a stick in the sand for a year prior than ever being able to do it with his, with a pencil because Mm. he did not have the dexterity in his finger. He didn't have the fine motor, but he had the gross motor. And so it's just, yep. The, you know, uh, like I said, the comparisons and then coming back and reminding yourself, well, this is actually what we're doing. And although we're having a slow start, uh, that kind of 
evens out towards the end. Now with high schoolers, I'm learning that. And so that, that comforts me, you know, gives me a little bit more comfort in that it's okay. It's slow now, but it all adds up at the end. When I pulled out my teenage son from school, he was a seventh grader and I was able to skip a whole year and jump him right into high school into ninth grade level because he was he was there and so but it it does even out at the end so that's okay (laughs) and let me ask you this because I did not ask the mother I previously interviewed but is it accredited so once they graduate you know do you have to take tests for the state to quote unquote say yes they've graduated like how does that work Right. You, you basically have to prove yourself. And correct. And, and, and it's funny, that was actually one of my challenges. And I'm going to answer your question in a second is it's more of an annoyance. And it's a it's a funny kind of like inside joke is that people are always wanting to quiz your kids like, oh, you're a homeschooler. <laughs> Tell me what you know, like stop yes. trying to quiz my kid on the spot. OK, <laughs> but yes, there are state laws you will need to meet. Some states are more lenient than others. For example, in Florida, we have the option of submitting a portfolio to a certified teacher where your portfolio will, I like to include logs per season. So for example, for two weeks worth of logs for summer and fall and we're year round homeschoolers. And then I include a few pieces of work, put it into a portfolio. I've even included pictures for the evaluator to review. And then they have a form that they submit with your county, your school district Mm -hmm. and say, okay, yes, this child is at this level, for example, second grader or whichever, or I believe that once it's your, in your third grade year, your child can opt for a like end of the year standardized type of test. Mm-hmm. And now for high school, they still have the same requirements they need. I think it's 26 credits for me to be able to create sure. a transcript for them. Yes. Oh, okay. So there is, so there is something, and I would imagine because you are a military family, then if you had to move to another state, you would have to find out what that is and figure out, exactly. okay, this is what we have to do. Yep. Some states will require an attendance log. You, you really have to mark off little boxes of attendance every day. I've had a blast being in Florida. We, we've been in Florida by the end of this contract or tour, we'll be in Florida eight years. And it's just, it's, it's a state that will give us freedom so far anyway. And hopefully that continues on uh, to teach our children. So really they just require an evaluation or a test if that's what you want to, your option to prove mastery, basically, if that's what you want to take. But 26 credits will create their transcripts. Obviously, you know, the GPA will help for entry into whatever university or college it is that they would choose to go. There are still scholarships and grants and tuitions available for homeschoolers. And yeah, a a lot of programs for homeschoolers to to further their education. So then why don't you jump into maybe give me if you if you have a couple misconceptions that you hear often. So yeah, misconception that uh, the high school one is a big one. Will my child be able to attend university or college? And, and yes, they will. And universities are at least, you know, elite universities are now looking for students who are going above and beyond. And high schoolers have the opportunity to do that. High schoolers have the opportunity to hone in on a passion or mastering a skill because they have more time. They have more time for community hours. They're, they have more time to be different. And so there's definitely that opportunity for high schoolers as well. Another misconception, again, with high schoolers is my teens will be missing out on the high school experiences. <laughs> and this is why I say I think that it needs to be a family thing where your high schoolers are okay with leaving that experience, but, you know, jumping into other life experiences. For example, my son 
fishes. Uh, he now has a time to go out and, and fish and he plays rec basketball with adults at our here, our local gym. And he, you know, he's being mentored by older, older sure, people sure. as well, not just being led by other 16 year olds. And, and, you know, and that's why we have these uh, trends where everyone is so alike, your teens have to be okay, basically with being different and wanting to lead a different lifestyle. Another misconception is socialization. But honestly, is that even a thing anymore with this whole <laughs> social distancing thing? You know, our kids socialize in school, definitely, you know, the same age groups, put them all in a room, of course, they're going to make friendships. But there are also those opportunities outside of school building, like I said, through sp- uh, sports or clubs or communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now there are so many resources for homeschoolers. So there's that misconception, which I don't even think is valid anymore. The socialization. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. sure. And what are some of the resources you use? What are some of the books that you read or accounts that you follow that kind of really speak to what your journey is with homeschooling and what you're trying to implement with your children? Our biggest resource, honestly, is nature. And this is why my husband's going to call me a hippie. We have so many lessons, for example, in the garden, you know, growing food. I mean, that's math and science. And on a nature walk, we're looking for symmetry in in plants or leaves or patterns or textures in a seashell or a smooth rock. It's biology and zoology as well in the garden. So this year, we had a wild eastern white cottontail rabbit den in that grew in our garden and we found this den when they were really naked they looked like naked mole rats I thought they were rats and we (laughs) observed them every day being careful not to disturb them too much until they started sprouting their ears and I we immediately recognized them and then we went into this whole study of you know learning their life cycle and their eating habits and and so then we were studying eastern cottontail rabbits I love it so a a lot of just organic type of learning obviously my High schoolers do require more rigor, right? Because we do need those credits and stuff. And so there are all sorts of resources. We're a Christian family. So we do like Christian based curriculum is what you call it. And then I also do use curriculum and workbooks for my younger children more to kind of guide me or, or, you know, give me the standard of, okay, what should a a second grader or seven-year-old be learning this year? But yeah, just a lot of natural learning for us, math in just living and grocery shopping. You know, I have to bring the kids with me grocery shopping, usually a few of them anyway. And so we're weighing or we're meal planning and budgeting, make sure we're staying at our budget and a lot of life skills in the kitchen as well. Mm -hmm. The other day, my eight-year-old daughter wanted to cook with me. And so I said, okay, you're in charge of our roasted potatoes. And then as she was dicing them, then we were talking about fractions because I wanted quarter halves. So how do you get that? Baking, my teen daughter loves to bake and that's, you know, liquids and dry and I I don't bake at all. That's her thing. (laughs) So she, that's math and science right there. And then a lot of life skills as well. My son just opened up a bank account. My teenagers came along with us. We bought what we call a bus, a huge 12 passenger van recently. And so it was about, you know, saving for a down payment and then a car loan. And this is what you're looking for. And so just a a lot of organic learning for us, again, mixed in with a little bit of the official workbook and curriculum, because that that is needed for the older children as well. So basically you're letting just life kind of guide you. I think for me, like I said, that's kind of not my thing. I'm not, I'm not a teacher. It's just not my thing to be creative. However, when COVID hit and I was home with my son and I was trying to live up to the standards, the Pinterest mom of like making all these crafts, but that's just not me. 
I said, yeah. you know what, I'm going to stop and we're going to go outside. And we just had a blast and we would count, you know, and, and I'm like, wait a minute, why am I forcing myself again to fit myself into a mold that I'm not where, what do I like to do? What does he like to do? He likes to be outside. I don't have to, you know, show him a worksheet to your point to say, okay, we're going to count how many trees are on this sheet of paper. It's like, no, why don't we go outside and say, how many trees do we have? How many coconut trees do we have? How many palm trees do we have? How many roses are on our rose bush? And that's how I did it. And I was like, oh, you know, like, okay, I get it. I get that aspect of it because you can find learning in everything. I mean, look at you were saying your daughter back baking. I've never been one for, it's funny, as much as I'm a a numbers girl, like fractions and stuff, I still got to stop. But I would imagine had I started baking young, and kind of had that, oh, then I'd be able to be like, oh yeah, this two thirds is this and 16 ounces is in a a pound or, you know, whatever it is to get that. So I love that. I love that you're kind of letting nature kind of guide you and just life guide you in general. Yes. And, and real life events. So for example, the, the current events that happened in Cuba, the protests, what, two months ago, you know, so my teens wanted to look up, you know, what's this about? And so they were learning about the Cuban communist revolution. And then from there, we found this movie on Netflix, I think it was Netflix or Amazon Prime on the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962 between the United States, the Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Cuba. And then I found this awesome book for my teenagers to read called Leaving Glory Town. And all of that really just stemmed from from current life events. And so we went into to history, US history, Cuban history, Russian history, government, you know, all of that and just that one piece of curiosity that just needed a little spark and me to kind of be like, all right, look, check out these resources. A lot of books as well, just reading, 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 reading. Yeah, well, that's in its own. Yeah. I loved reading. I remember being young and when scholastic book fairs would come and all oh, the books yeah. that I would get, my goodness, oh, I love yeah. it. And that you know, to this day, I love reading, you know, I, I do. What I hear that you're saying is that even for the moms out there, if you do not have the opportunity to homeschool, right? And your children does have to go to a traditional school. There are ways when you can, when you are with them to take advantage and do a lot of what you're saying, right? To say, okay, well, I don't have the opportunity to do this. However, I'm going to make the most use of it. So if, if my, maybe my child is struggling in some areas, then like you said, you know, if you're outside, well, let's work on our counting. What do we see when we're outside? You know, what are we looking like in nature? How are we slowing down intentionally on the weekends for ourselves and, and just learning in other ways. And I think think that can help, especially for a mom out there. Cause I, I know plenty of them that are like, I wish I could not work or if they're a single mom and they're not able to, where it's like, but there's ways that you can incorporate some of the things that even you're doing into your home, even if they do go to a traditional school. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yes, and embracing your season of motherhood, if you're a full-time working mom, embrace that. And, and if you still, like you said, you still want to have that connection at home with your kids, there are ways to do that. And just in life in in general, like I said, and being outside, you know, math is living, reading, you know, reading Mm -hmm. stories of people in history, or I mean, even fictional stories, you're traveling to all parts of, you know, the world through a book. And so yes, that that opportunity is there, not just for homeschooling moms, but just motherhood in general. You also said that too, it's not just a homeschooling challenge. I think that's all moms (laughs) who compare We put so much pressure and we don't give ourselves the grace. And I like how you were saying, you know, like you learn from your older children and saying, look, I know maybe my older child didn't get this, but eventually she got it. Or like, there's a mom I follow on Instagram. She's like, look, I have two other kids. If my toddler is not potty trained, I know they're not going to go to college, not being potty trained. (laughs) At some point, they're going to figure it out. It'll it'll figure out when it's supposed to figure out. But I think because of social media and there's so many 
great things about it. And then the un, you know, the not so great things is the comparing, right? And thinking, well, this kid is doing this and why isn't my child doing this? Or this mother's able to do this and why am I not able to? I think if you take out that noise and just focus on your family and what, to your original point, your why is and why you're doing what you're doing, I think that will save a lot of people a lot of stress and frustration and just overall, you know, just kind of being at peace, <laughs> right? And living yeah. in that gratitude. Yeah. It, owning your own motherhood. I mean, that's great for that mother that she's able to do that, but owning your own motherhood and your, you know, your own family's story and experiences for sure. For sure. Now, before we go, jump into learning a little bit more about you, Chrissy, why don't we, why don't you answer, how do you hope to impact your community? What is your mission with that? What do you hope to kind of, if someone comes to your page that they leave with? I think that my biggest point was to shed light on homeschooling and not just homeschooling, but the the, the life uh, that, you know, homeschooling offers in, in general, because it becomes this whole, you know, life learning type of experience. So shedding light on that, like I said, when I first started homeschooling, no one in my family homeschooled, I didn't have any friends. And so I, I went to this community, online community. And so I'm just hoping to add to that. It's important. It's important for us homeschool moms to empower each other and encourage and offer each other ideas. So that's, that's the first. And then the other is to encourage moms, again, whether home educators or not, to embrace their role in motherhood. Because as a woman of faith, I believe that we're doing the Lord's work in our home. So just encouraging moms that they are equipped to do that. You are equipped to be their mom. And again, uh, back to just sharing ideas and sharing resources, you know, something that worked for our family might work for you. It might not, but it might. The way that we, you know, did this study might inspire you to, you know, pick up that study as well, or, or yeah, just outside of the box kind of type of learning. I'm big in play-based learning and hands-on learning. And so sharing ideas for that and, and helping other families have fun and learning as well. You know, it's interesting that you were saying play-based learning because I think a lot of schools, I'm doing schools in quotes, some people are coming away from the traditional schools. There's actually a school that opened up and I don't know if you've heard of it called the Alton Academies, A-L-T-O-N. So they don't call teachers, teachers, their guides. And basically think of it like, homeschooling, but in a school in the sense that they let the children kind of dictate what's kind of going to go on. So if there's a conflict, the guides, they let the kids figure out, okay, what's next. If there's an assignment, there's a lot of project based. So my husband and I fell in love with it. Cause again, we're not able to actually homeschool at the time, but we mm -hmm. knew it was important because the preschool that he goes to is not traditional. It's very open play. They're not giving homework to preschoolers and saying you have to write on the sheet. Like it's just, he's learning through play really and imaginative play and it's it's awesome and it's bilingual so we're like all right we're gonna move him from that to like a traditional school where he's gonna sit all day like my son that's not how he learns right he likes to build things he likes to create so I'm like I'm not I don't want to stifle him right because then I think that's uh, you know how kids get in trouble they get bored and all of that stuff so anyway we found this school and we we fell in love you know so we're we're gonna look at it a little bit further but it's, it's interesting because I think a lot, we're going to see a lot more of these untraditional or non-traditional school types come out that are similar to the homeschooling effect and trying to kind of break away of unschooling of what, because I think people are realizing that what worked back then isn't working now, especially to your original point, you have one teacher to what a 50 kid ratio or whatever it is, especially when you go into low income neighborhoods. That yeah. they don't have the same resources. So I think at this day and age, we have to kind of think outside the box and give children other resources and other ways to learn if they don't 
if they can't learn in a homeschooling environment is basically what I'm saying. Absolutely. And and we're seeing more of this. We're seeing a lot of Montessori type yes. schools oh, involving yes. that that methodology. And yeah, there are so, so many philosophies in education to take from and to learn from for sure outside the traditional institutionalized schooling. And like I said, maybe at a certain I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, and especially because I don't want to offend some anyone. And, and I say this with a humble heart, but institutionalized schooling was created at a time. It had its time and its place for sure. And there are people in history that fought for uh, mm-hmm, education mm-hmm. and, and we, I honor that. But maybe that was for a time where we had to educate for and create factory workers at just a different time. And now we have this whole big phenomenon in entrepreneurship. And you don't necessarily need 15 years of that type of institutionalized schooling for something like that. And so, yeah, it's, it's wonderful to see. I'm, I'm super excited, you know, with COVID has brought a lot of difficulties uh, and adaptations, but if there's one thing that has, has shed light on is homeschooling and home education and different type of education, not just homeschooling. And I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. I mean, and to your point, it's like, I was like your daughter, right? I love taking notes. I was very like school driven and I love traditional school. It's not until I'm older that I'm like, yeah, I probably couldn't sit still. I'm just, I just can't. It's great to see that there's different avenues for children, right? So if your children thrives in that environment, then, hey, that might be what your child is thriving in. But if they're not and they're, you know, bored or they can't sit still, there's other avenues and maybe other type of learning environments that then they can thrive in. And I think that's the beauty of it all is that there are options out there. And that's, that's what I love. Okay. So let's jump into this. So I know you, you said you love nature. So I would imagine that's what you kind of do to recharge and refill your cup, but what do you do to relax and unwind for the day? You know, your kids are getting ready for bed. What, what does Chrissy love to do to relax? And, and once the day is over. Yes. So I, need alone time in the shower bathroom, you know, for my self care. And this is something that, you know, with young children, and, and when you're in that season of postpartum or breastfeeding, or, you know, attachment parenting, it it's just easier to kind of just, you know, hold one kid in one arm, your toddlers by your feet, and you're all showering together. And I did that for so many years, until I said, you know what, no, I, I need this alone time in the shower, I, I can pray, I can sing, I can just think and have a quiet time. And so I tell my kids, please just don't even knock on my door. Like, I just don't want you in the bathroom, period, unless you're dying. Right. And, you know, if, if it's anything else, that's kind of serious. There are, uh, there's another adult, my husband and my two teenies. So I need alone time in, in the bathroom for sure. Every evening. I That's what it. I do to unwind. Maybe if there's a book that I can't get enough of, I like my reading time in the morning, but sometimes in the evening, like I said, if I just, I have to open up this book, uh, reading a few pages helps me unwind. And then just having um, time with my hubby, you know, we're into movies or if we're into a certain TV series at that time. What's the last TV show you and your hubby watched together? So lately we've been into biographical films. So films on a non-fictional person or moment in history. A good one that we just watched was The Zookeeper's Wife. Oh uh, yeah, that's uh, a good movie. Yep. Great movie. But it's cooking shows. We like cooking shows as well. Sometimes <laughs> we'll do the sitcom thing. I mean, I'm a big friends, you know, lover. <laughs> Uh, and so we'll go back and watch that from time to time. We were into a tattoo show for a while. So, all, you know, all sorts of, of things, really. <laughs> I love it. What is your morning and nighttime routine? I know you said you like the shower time, but do you have your routine to kind of get you set up? I know for me, I like to plan my day at night for the next day. Again, I'm a planner. Yes. So I like to see, I like to see it. If I see it, it kind of preps me. 
And then the whole meditation thing, laying, lying down or apart from my bed wasn't for me. I actually like laying in bed. And my part of meditation is really praying. I love talking to God. I love thanking him and having kind of like my one-on-one time. And, you know, again, I had to tell myself, it doesn't need to be this extravagant thing. That really is kind of like what I love to do. I like to plan my day, see what I got going on the next day, and then kind of have alone time with God and just really, really living in gratitude with it all. What is what is your morning and nighttime routine look like? My morning routine. It- it's a slow morning. I, I keep going yes, back to I, know, yeah. I really, I really <laughs> just like to wake up slowly and have my coffee and, you know, check on the garden for a little bit, that time of praise and worship and kind of thankfulness. So I, you know, I blast mm-hmm. our, our worship music and that's just kind of how we all thank God for a, another day. Mm-hmm. Breakfast together is very important for us as, as well as dinners. So yeah, morning is just basically coffee and praise that that's kind of what gets me going and opening up my planner for sure. I actually do that in the evening time. I feel like I sleep better when I jot down, you know, when you're falling asleep and all these like things start hitting you like, oh, I forgot to do this. And, you know, I have an appointment tomorrow and this and that. And so I like to write that down in the evening and it helps me rest and, and yes, not me too. racing <laughs> mind while I'm in bed. Same here. It's like a dump of just like, okay, I, cause I get yeah. kind of like, okay, I got to look at my calendar. What am I doing? And once it's on the paper and there, I just get a, exactly. So I am with you. Okay. So let's do my quick get to know. What is your favorite book? Oh, this one's so hard. I had to narrow it down, I guess, to my favorite genre at the moment. And it's definitely biography. And so I'll go with The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. She was a Dutch watchmaker and she basically helped Jews and underground workers escape the Nazis in World War II. It's just a beautiful, heroic story of a woman of faith and, and the deep life that she lived in connection with God and helped her survive this concentration camp and that that whole that whole era. That sounds amazing. What is your favorite organizational or mom hack? Really just baskets. <laughs> I love <laughs> baskets and they're just catch all type of baskets. But no, my favorite mom hack is dinner at the table as a family, for sure. That mm. keeps us rooted and, and, and grounded. And, and there are so many studies and research on, on this and lack of actually in our country of family meals. And so that's very important. And that's something that we do just I would say about 90% of the month. Sometimes my husband has to work late, so he won't make it, but just sharing meals together. No TV, just us at the table. Sometimes a lot of mess, a lot of spills, but also a lot of conversations and building each other up. Yeah, no, I love that. What is a favorite item in your home? I couldn't pick one, so I'm giving you two. Plants and books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I see the plants behind. So beautiful. Who makes up your village? And I know you had you said you have a big family, but right now, who's kind of like your your like your go to who makes up my village, just my household. They're my teammates, I depend on them and they they depend on me. And what has motherhood taught you? A lot of lessons. Most of all of my lessons have been taught through motherhood, but motherhood taught me to be my best self. I had to be in order to mentor and and lead my children right at what I believe and what I teach and what I live and what I model is what they're going to to be and see every day so they're they're probably going to be that right the the student becomes like the teacher and so with that I had to you know grow up like I said being a teen mom and align my life to what I wanted to fulfill in my children's life I love that and I'm going to ask a question that was not on my sheet but Once your children are grown, and when I say grown, meaning, you know, you have your teenagers that might go to college, whatever, whatever path and journey takes them on and your little ones are older, 
what would Christy want to do? You know, is there anything that you've thought about doing? I know you said, I love, you definitely have an eye, right? You know, your pictures, your photography and, and everything. What does Christy want to do in that next kind of phase? Have you thought about that? Yes. I like to consider myself a life learner. I mean, and now, you know, in educating my children, you know, my role is, is not in that I know everything and I have all the answers. It's actually just, you know, providing them with the resources and then doing the research with them. So mm-hmm. I'm re-educating myself all over again. I'm finding literature that I just really didn't care for, you know, when I was growing up and now I'm loving it. And, and again, moments in history and, and cultures. And so I'm a life learner and I, and I'm, I hope that, you know, once the kids are off, I have an opportunity to continue to to do that in in whatever field I'm not sure but yeah it's I know that the life of continuing to learn and continuing to grow will follow through even once my kids are gone final thoughts to the podcast world well because it is a motherhood podcast I guess it would just be in that you know it's clear that motherhood holds all seasons I mean from thinking back on my motherhood again from being a teen mom to a domestic violence or an abusive relationship to postpartum to all the pregnancies toddlerhood you know a full-time working mom it holds odd seasons just like the year does you know and I think that we just have to embrace each season and give our all in each season because the next season is right around the corner so some seasons might hold uh, rainy weather or dark gloomy weather but the other one like summer might have uh, sunshine in it and so I think it's just again being the best versions of ourselves that we can through each of those seasons and that we're equipped for it we can do it love it thank you so much Chrissy thank you so much for coming on for sharing your story for sharing your journey for I'm sure inspiring I mean you inspired me but inspiring you know my my listeners when they hear this episode and for all that you do your Instagram posts and you know for the content that you create and for all the light that you're putting out in the world thanks so much Nikki you're You're so welcome Mm -hmm. take care Chrissy thank you for joining me this week on the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, NGC Consulting, where you can find them at nicolegconsulting.com. For more motherhood resources, check out themotherhoodvillage.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you'll never miss an episode. And if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or recommendation to a friend works too. And join us next time for an another amazing conversation. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.